Welcome to episode 60 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. So this week, uh, it's going to be a relatively short episode, I'm afraid. Um, I've got a bit of a cold and I've been swamped with a lot of other things, uh, but... I'm going to answer a number of questions from listeners and start a new corner related to this. Not only can you now leave recorded messages and greetings that I will include in the show intro, uh, but also thanks to an idea by listener Mojo Yugen, whose uh, real name is Brian Schultz, I'm also asking you to send me a recording of any questions that you might have. If I can do so based on my own experience, I'll do so in a future episode, and of course that will be preceded by uh, me playing the recording of the question. To record your message or question, uh, go to martinbaileyphotography.com and look for the applet on the top page under the Record Audio Greetings section. If you click on the Leave a Message button, you'll go to a special website at Mobatalk uh, to record and leave your message. You can currently only record uh, two minutes at a time, but if your question is longer, record it in multiple messages, uh, adding something like part one, part two, uh, part two to the title, and I'll stitch them together uh, for the podcast. If you'd prefer, you could just record your question at your own on your own machine and send it to me at your leisure. Please do send it in uh, MP3 format uh, by email to info at martinbaileyphotography.com. I am still open to questions by mail too. If you don't have a mic, uh, that is, uh, you know, know, you'd rather just contact me by, you know, in text form, then the contact form on my website is still valid and you can private mail me a private message um, from the forum at martinbaileyphotography.com as well. So anyway, thanks for the idea, Brian, and let's get on with today's main topic. So over the last year or so, uh, you know, since I've started this podcast, I've received lots of questions, um, a few a week, uh, on a slow week and more on others. And I often just, um, I reply to these email uh, individually. And sometimes these uh, these conversations make it into the forum, but generally um, it's pretty much a one-to-one thing. And I I think that probably a lot of the time the answers that these uh, that I give to these questions would be valuable to others as well. Um, so, uh, if nothing else, you know, I'm sure that there are a few people out there that have thought the same things um, that uh, the people that are asking the questions have thought. So, hopefully, these Q and A sessions uh, will be of some use to most of you. So, today I'm going to talk about a number of things uh, that I've uh, been asked recently. And then in future, maybe once a month or so, I'll do a follow-up uh, podcast to discuss topics that are either asked of me by email or hopefully via the audio recordings uh, or mailed to me uh, in an audio file, uh, as I just requested. So the first question for today is from Robert in Germany. 
Robert had a question with regards to the photo of the waterfall uh, with the rainbow, and that was uh, the one that I spoke about in episode 11 called Good Planning, Good Luck. Robert asks, why did you use a PL filter? As you explained in the podcast, you took the risk of eliminating the rainbow. Would not a grey filter also be possible uh, to filter away some light? So let's take a look at the image in question, number 731. As I explain uh, my thought processes, I think it would be good if we take a look at the image as well. So uh, firstly, what Robert says is exactly correct. Uh, I did say in the podcast that a PL filter can be used to pretty much eliminate a rainbow, and it can. Well, a few days ago, when I replied to Robert by mail, I said that I'd left my neutral density filter in the car. Um, I couldn't really remember why I didn't use it at the time. Um, But as um, I went back and checked the notes for episode 11, I found that I did have the ND filter with me, uh, but attaching a coking filter holder and then uh, getting the filter pouch out of my bag and you know, sort of getting the filter out, blowing it off a little, and then sort of fitting it to the front of the lens uh, takes a little bit of time. Not a lot, but a little bit of time. And the light was only going to be there for a moment or two. So I realized that I was not going to have uh, very much time at all. But I did need a slower shutter speed uh, to make the water look like it's flowing, and I needed it quickly. First, I lowered my ISO to 50, and then uh, I made the aperture smaller to f22, and I still couldn't get a shutter speed slow enough to make the water flow as much as I wanted. And we can see in the resulting photo that it, it, is, it looks as though it's flowing slightly. So without doing anything, I was faced... Um, with a shutter speed of 1 50th of a second, which would have introduced some motion blur, but not uh, as much as I wanted. And anyway, um, you know, the the real only opportunity that I had, the only option that I had uh, to get a few stops less light in, uh, for the exposure was the PL filter in my pocket, which I could attach much more quickly. A PL filter cuts out around two stops of light, uh, so the shutter speed dropped from a fiftieth of a second to a tenth of a second, which was enough to give that flowing effect in the water without going over the top. There is uh, a big risk, as I mentioned, um, if I was to have just dropped the PL on, um, you know, if you remember that if we, when you look through the... Um, finder of your camera as you rotate a PL filter, say when you're looking at the blue sky, uh, you'll notice that at some points the sky looks very pale. Uh, this is when the PL filter is not really working at all. And then at other points it becomes very blue, a deep blue. Um, and so the amount uh, of uh, the effect that a PL has depends very much on the conditions, but I'm sure that you've all uh, seen this effect to some extent. A PL works by cutting out the scattered light that bounces off shiny surfaces and water particles in the air. Uh, For this to work, though, uh, we have to turn the front element of the filter until it aligns just right with the light coming straight at the camera. So that then cuts out the scattered light. Uh, So, of course, um, as a, a rainbow is basically just light reflecting off water, there is the risk of erasing the rainbow pretty much completely. 
if we continue to turn the filter to other extreme, the other extreme uh, checking as we turn, you can see that um, it stops having any effect uh, at all, and um, you know, really it starts to work again as we continue to turn it. So while shooting the rainbow and the falls, I could check the effect very easily. As I turned the filter, at some points the rainbow completely disappeared, uh, but as I continued to rotate, it came back in full colour. I have to admit that I was worried. Um, I, I did though. When I got back, I checked some of the shots that had the, um, the filter, and then a few that I took moments before, uh, without the PL filter. And the end results um, showed me that there really was no difference in colour whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the only thing that had changed is I'd gained the the slow shutter speed. So I'm thinking that I had the filter positioned just right to make it not do anything uh, other than give me that slower shutter speed. All in all, it was a bit of a gamble, uh, but in hindsight, I don't think there that this was a bad move. So if you find yourself in a bit of a pinch, either you don't have a neutral density filter with you or you just don't have one, uh, or, or like I was at this time, uh, you don't have time to fit the filter kit to your lens, uh, you can possibly make do with a PL if you are uh, careful uh, to ensure that it's not having the wrong effect. Also note too that um, I bought a circular ND8 which is a three-stop neutral density filter after this experience so now I have something that I can drop quickly onto the lens without having to play around with the coking system. I do still think that the coking system is excellent and I'm going to continue to use it from time to time uh, but really only when I do have time um, you know it's just it's only a very small amount of time that it need that you need to put it on there but when the light is fleeting and you've got to do something quickly um, I think that maybe at least for a, a an overall uh, you know like a, not a gradual but a standard neutral density filter maybe the uh, circular one is just easier to use so anyway, I hope that that uh, makes a little more sense, uh, Robert. So thanks very much for your very astute question. The next question that I had was from a listener whose name I won't mention as I wasn't able to get permission to do so in time. Uh, this is another reason why a recorded message would be great. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that you can um, just announce who you are, you know, give yourself a quick self-introduction at the same time. Uh, so that uh, we know who you are and who's asking the question. So anyway, the question that I received from this anonymous listener um, was about the last episode of the podcast, number 59, uh, when I spoke about my early morning shoot at the Shibutoge Mountain Pass. The listener asked why I used uh, negative compensation for my shots when they didn't seem to have a great deal of contrast. Well, this is an, another great question. The reason for the compensation in shots like image number 1141, uh, which is the shot uh, that I, I made at minus two-thirds of a stop, is really because I didn't want the camera to falsely brighten up the image. If I had simply trusted the camera's meter, it would have tried to make the scene an 18% neutral grey uh, style exposure, uh, which in this case would have been too bright. The sun was still behind the very thick cloud on the horizon and not really lighting the scene at all. With the naked eye I could hardly see any um, detail in this scene. 
uh, and nowhere near as much detail as the camera uh, captured. And you, you'll probably be able to appreciate this when I tell you that it was uh, shot at 1.3 seconds um, shutter speed. So it really was, what I was doing was just making up for the camera's tendency to miscalculate the exposure for non-average scenes. This is very much the same with a very bright scene, such as a sunlit field of snow. Uh, the shot would be metered at anything up to two, maybe even more on a bright day, uh, but up to around two stops um, below what it should be. As the camera is uh, trying to turn the snow into an 18% grey. Now, we all know that a field of snow in daylight is white, not grey. So we need to increase the exposure by that same two stops to capture it correctly. So it's not always about contrast. Uh, in fact, I'd say it's less often about contrast. For high contrast shots, I often uh, switch to manual mode, which I've spoken about a number of times, um, to ensure that I get it right. Uh, but that's another story. Um, you know, I, like I say, I've spoken about this a number of times in the past, so I won't go into that today. Finally, I received a another question uh, last week from a listener called Chris Bjornstadt from Scranton, uh, Pennsylvania, USA. Uh, with regards to a recent experience when uh, shooting a sunset. At first, Chris was shooting uh, pretty much as the camera dictated. Um, and the, the shots, I've looked at the shots. Um, by the way, um, I did mail Chris to ask if I could use his name, but I didn't ask if um, it was okay to add a link to the shots. So, uh, Chris, if you're listening, if you want to drop a link to the shots that I'm talking about into the forum... Uh, maybe into the podcast forum, then the others could take a look and uh, you know and see what we're talking about. But the first few shots were, um, you know, they were all very nice shots. But the first few were a little bit washed out, and the colours were not really that spectacular. Um, partly due to the fact that the sun was not that close to the horizon um, yet, or not as close as the in the first shot uh, in the later shots, but. Um, also, what Chris decided to do was to stop down the exposure manually. Uh, with this, Chris got some great shots uh, of a very deep red, fiery sunset. The thing that Chris wasn't sure about was why the colours became so rich and sa uh, saturated as he stopped down or reduced the exposure. I explained in a mail that uh, the less you expose, uh, you know, the shorter the exposure the more saturated or richer the colours will get, uh, for a certain amount of time, that is, to a certain extent. Let's think uh, first about what happens if you overexpose an image. The colours get less and less saturated until eventually everything just turns white, right? On the other hand, as you lower the exposure, the image gets darker and darker until everything goes black. Uh, but if you underexpose or use just a little negative compensation, then the colours move back towards um, black. You know, they, from from the standard exposure, they they move towards black. But if you don't go too much, then the colours just get darker and hence richer. One thing that you can try to prove this uh, yourself is to open a well-exposed image in Photoshop, say. And hopefully you can find uh, one with lots of colours in it so that you can really see the effect. 
but then open the brightness slider and slide it to the far right. And as you do that, you'll see that the image gets paler and paler and washed out. And the, the colors just get weaker and weaker. And then uh, conversely, move the slider to the far left and you'll see that the colors get much darker and at least for a while, much richer and more saturated. This is really what Chris was doing uh, by reducing the exposure of the sunset, making the scene much more saturated, which is exactly what you want in this situation. The other thing that you could do if you want to uh, play a little is to go to my website uh, at martinbaileyphotography.com and select the color wheel from the quick links pull down in the top menu. Place your mouse over the color wheel somewhere in the middle and um, between the dark center and the white outside of the wheel. And if you move your pointer uh, directly towards the um, the outside, then you'll see that the color gets paler and paler. There's a number of bars that change color as you as you move the mouse around. Uh, but if, if you'll see that the colors get paler and paler as you move out, and, and this is very much what's going to be the, the same as uh, increasing your exposure. And if once you go the other way, uh, you'll see that the colors get richer and richer as you start to go towards the dark center. And this is uh, just basically making them more saturated. This will be the same uh, again, as uh, this time as reducing uh, the exposure until totally underexposing the image and making it go uh, completely black. So you can also click on the color wheel at any point to uh, record the colors in the list along the left side of the screen uh, for easier comparison as you move your mouse around. So I hope that that has been of some help. Um, remember that uh, from now on I'll be trying to answer uh, any questions that you might have. Uh, you can mail me or contact me from the website and also uh, email directly to info at martinbaileyphotography.com and uh, you know also use the uh, recorder for either greet just for greetings and I'll drop them into the into in, uh, into the intro or like I say for questions and I'll use those and then follow on with an answer and you know hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to do this once a month or so uh, moving forward so for now though thanks very much for these uh, great questions guys So once again, uh, I'm very late with this uh, podcast this week. I'm sorry about that. I'm just really very busy with other commitments right now. Uh, but also, uh, we've had more site problems this week that have eaten into my preparation time. Uh, I've also, like I said, I've caught a bit of a cold, and uh, you can probably tell from my voice. Uh, but uh, I, I guess I guess I've just been uh, burning the candle at uh, both ends. Uh, maybe in the little, in the middle, a little as well, uh, a little bit too much recently. Uh, but something else uh, that I found out this week with the, with regard to the site is that the Japanese text that uh, I have in both the forum and the uh, titles and comments that I add to the photos that I upload in my gallery uh, have all become corrupted in the server move in September. Uh, it almost. Um, you know, you wouldn't know, everything looks fine from the gallery and the forum and the, the things are, you know, the text is being saved properly but it's getting broken in the process and it's only some uh, little magic that the browsers are doing that's keeping it held, held together. Um, it was basically something uh, to do with the version of the database in which the text is stored 
and it, the way it handles these uh, Japanese characters. So it's, uh, I'm not going to bore you with the gory details, but uh, basically I figured out how to set up the database to behave correctly, and I figured out a way to restore the old information, but it's going to take a little bit of time, um, and I'm going to have to take the forum down and the gallery down um, for maybe 15 to 30 minutes or so each uh, while I make these changes. So uh, I'm thinking to do this over this weekend, uh, so if you come along to the site and find either the gallery or the forum, maybe even both of them down for a little while, uh, then please uh, come back in 30 minutes or so and everything should be up and running again. I'm really sorry for all of the continued trouble and I'm really hoping that it's going to be over soon. So finally, uh, if you haven't voted for, the, um, for your favourite entry in the Reflections assignment, please go to mbpgalleries.com and check out the assignment album and make your vote. We have until uh, the end of this coming Sunday, which is November the 5th. So um, if, you if you listen after that, then it's too late. But if you do listen in time and you haven't made uh, your vote uh, in time, then please go, go over there and you know, take a look at the, uh, the, the entries that are in there. And it's a tough decision because the level is really high. You've, you've come up with some great uh, images again this, uh, this last six weeks or so. So you know, anyway, it'll be great if you have the time to go over and choose your favorite. And if you, know, if you uh, are one of the people that have already voted, thank you very much for taking the time to do that. Also next week, uh, you know, I'll um, hopefully Monday or Tuesday, um, once the voting's finished, I'll create uh, next week's podcast and announce the winner in that and the two runners-up and we'll also kick off the next assignment. So uh, thanks uh, for a suggestion. There's, there's a hint in the, uh, in the assignments forum as to what the next um, assignment is going to be. Uh, but thanks very much um, for the suggestion and don't start shooting until we've kicked it off because you have to have your entry. Uh, if it's if it has EXIF details, that is, um, it has to show that it's uh, was taken after the assignment started. So don't jump the gun. Uh, but if if you're feeling uh, raring to go, hopefully you can start to think and visualize what you're going to shoot for the next assignment if you pick up on the hint. Uh, but it's only going to be a few days before I announce the uh, the theme uh, officially, and we get we can go off and get started. So with that, uh, have a great week or great weekend. And uh, you know, sorry for the horrible voice and everything. Um, but uh, enjoy your weekend, week, whatever. And whatever you do, uh, have a great time doing it. Bye-bye. photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com